I'm realizing how unseen I've been in our relationship. What now? Welcome to the Real Talk Recovery Podcast with the Therapy Brothers. We're brothers, we're therapists, and we know recovery. Bring your stories, your questions, your successes with Real Recovery. about D-Day today. We're going to talk a little bit about integrity and honesty, which seems to be a common theme, but uh, mm-hmm. how are things in your world? Things are good. Things are moving forward, moving into the holiday season. Yeah, it's a great time of year. I, uh, Me and the kids went skiing for the first time last weekend, so the resort opened up and um, my kids complained half the day and loved it. So it was <laughs> awesome. That's skiing with the kids. That's what you, that's what you do. And, and then next week you'll be like telling them they to, you want to go and they'll be like, no, I don't want to go. And then by the time you get them there, they'll be like, oh, I'm so glad we came. I'm and so glad. I love this. This it's, is the best. It's like going to most like, like when we were kids, mom and dad would make us go to like church firesides and it'd be like late at night, late in the evening, we'd be watching football or something. Be like, yeah, you guys get to go listen to so-and-so talk about porn or something. We're like, oh man, I don't want to do that. And then, then you'd end up going and at the end of it, you'd be like, oh, I'm glad I came. I, I, don't, I don't know if I was ever there at the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I slept through most of those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so. Anyways, um, let's get into the episode here. So uh, we have Brooke here with us. So Brooke, welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, Brooke, if you'd give us just a little bit of background, some context to what's going on with you, and then just ask any questions that you have. Uh, so I guess, yeah, the, the background is that I've been uh, married. Well, I've been with my husband for 10 years, married for five. Um, and um, it's been all of my 20s. Um, we have four kids. Um, and um, I thought we had a really, like, strong value committed, um, relationship. I thought like that we, um, covered all of our bases, I guess, on like on understanding um, each other. Um, and, but like, I, I, I kept striving for like something that was missing a connection that wasn't there. Um, and, uh, just recently, like it's come out that like, I knew he had porn issues, like issues with porn in his childhood, really severe. Um, but it's come out that like he's had a daily porn usage pretty much since he was 11 years old. And like, it hurts. Like, I know he has his own journey, but like, it hurts me because of that 10 years that we've been together. I've really intentionally and actively worked to like have connection. And so that's the hour I just, I feel very unseen now like knowing the reality that we're in so you've spent you've spent the last 10 years kind of beating your head against the wall of connection saying hey we can connect better what's going on let's try to figure this out and all the while there's been this daily pornography problem that you haven't known about and now it's kind of come to fruition and you're kind of feeling like emotionally just sort of like gutted a little bit like uh like I've been beating my head against the wall for 10 years and you're finally bringing this out. 
Like, yeah. wow. Yeah. And when, yeah, I think that like we both, like we're direct and honest about it. We've talked about it now. Like, like there's been a lot of like his like gaslighting, I guess, or like manipulation of like, cause I've gone to him, like trying to solve the problems. Like it's me not doing this. It's me not, or me doing this thing wrong, or, you know, we're not addressing this or that. And we've, we've changed a lot and like we've healed a lot of, of problems, but like, there's always been a huge, just barrier that like was unknown to me. And like, and he was oblivious to like the reality. Like, and I do believe that he really just didn't know, like he didn't factor me in to his porn habit. And so like, and that hurts, <laughs> like it kind of adds, like, it's just like, it's just the reality of like, he really just didn't see me wholly for our entire relationship. So when you say he didn't, he didn't factor you in, like he didn't understand the collateral damage of his issue. Is that what you're saying? Like he didn't understand how much it affected your relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Like he just never he like never really considered like, like probably like, cause it's, it's been something like, like, and we've discussed this previously in life, like a long time ago. It's so, like, you know, like he was exposed to porn at six years old and he has very little, like, like he had no connection as a child. So like by 11 years old, when he had his own way to access it, it was daily. And like, so, so this so is yeah. just kind of like it's just how he's been in his life forever. Just yeah, and and like and like you know he's talked about it. Like we've talked together. Like you know he acknowledges yeah. Like obviously you know he's doing it when I'm not home. Um, you know like going to the bathroom, you know locking the door. Um, you know like it's it, it's done in secret. So obviously there's a knowledge of like this isn't right. And we have talked about, like, you know, he has directly lied, but, but also like, I do, I, I believe him like that in his mind, like it's okay still like that's like, like, you know, like, because it's how he's always lived. It's all what he's always known is, but he's still doing the right things. Like, you know, in our relationship, like he's, he does love me. And like, this is just external to that. And like, you just, you lie about porn. Cause that's what you do. You don't talk about it or whatever, you know? And, and he's never, yeah, he's, he's never owned like the reality of you're choosing that over being with me. And like, as I'm screaming for connection, as I'm saying, what's wrong, what isn't like, why is this not peaceful? Like he just has no idea that maybe going and watching porn every day is, is what's, you know adding to that insecurity as I'm telling him at times about how I have insecurity of like, of, you know, other attractive women. And, you know, he's like, Oh yeah, no, like, you know, like I, I understand like, you know, like, but like, you know, he's con- considerate to it, but like, also it's like, just, he saw that as my problem. Like he like didn't connect pornography to it. Like he didn't say, well, well maybe she feels that way because I'm, viewing other women all the time. Mm-hmm. She doesn't know about that so clearly that's not connected. Yeah, I think you're running into a couple of 
a couple of things here and we can kind of break some of these down if it feels like the right direction to go. But what you're kind of sitting in now is like you've sort of had this layer peeled back now where it's like, wow, like I knew there were issues in the past, but not the nature of this big of these issues. And there's now the dishonesty that goes with it. And on one hand, you can understand it because that's just what you do when you're, you know, but then on the other hand, it's like things don't quite make sense because he's thinking, well, this doesn't have an effect on our marriage. And the truth is, is that he probably did believe that some of the time, but he also knows deep down because he's keeping it secret that, that it's an issue, right? And then what you're experiencing, and I think this is maybe what I'm hearing underneath everything, so you tell me if I'm wrong, is that he's claiming to love you and he's showing up and loving you in certain ways, and he probably really is in those ways. And he's been living in such a place of self-protection and selfishness that he hasn't really been able to actually see you the way that you thought you were needing to be seen. Um, and so, so he's like, yeah, I love you. I love you. I love you. And you're over here going like, no, he, you're so busy covering your tracks and, and trying to manage your own self-image that you really don't have a lot of bandwidth to fully love. Even though in his mind, he's loving you by not telling you because he's protecting you. Yeah. I right. think that's like, that's exactly how it's been. And yeah, that's that, like, I couldn't have said it better myself. Did, I think did that you... where I, I want to say, I think that like where we're at right now, um, like he does, I really believe him that like he, like, like his essence seems different. Like, like I believe that he actually sees you know, what he's done, like, and, like, I, I think that, like, like, I think, like, by no means is he, like, recovered or anything, like, if that is, like, in the future, like, like but, like, yeah, I think, I think that he has um, entered into something new that he's never experienced before, like, a, like, ownership of reality. Um, did he... Did you know about all of this before you married him? Um, yeah. Um, like his childhood. Yes. Um, I, I grew up with in a very unsafe environment. Um, and so like, I think that's something that's always driven me is, is just, absolute like disgusting truth for better or worse um and so like like a lot of it uh, yes a lot of it like we came to because I told him like he never even he would never would have even realized that he had childhood trauma like okay. and like like he just he wouldn't have like realized that and he's processed like his himself he's he's realized it but he wouldn't have realized it if I didn't say hey that shouldn't happen to a child. Like right. a child, should, you know, a lot of it's emotional trauma. And like, but like, you know, like he just, he, he wouldn't have ever like connected. Realized like, it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. but it was like, we were together for four years before we got married. And, um, and, and yeah, we, we, we went through, cause I guess the biggest, when we first got together, he had a nicotine addiction or tobacco use. 
And at that point, I was only 17 at that point, but I knew that I didn't want tobacco in my life. And so I told him like, Hey, like, I like you, but if that's something in your life, like we'll find other people. Mm -hmm. Um, and he was willing to quit. And after four years (laughs) of, um, not quitting, he quit and he's now been, I guess, I guess, yeah, it's five years. It's, It's now been about, it's coming up on five years that he, I know, and I believe him that like, he hasn't had nicotine in his life at all. Uh, nicotine of any kind and like and it's it's not even a factor anymore like like even going through all this like I asked him the other night like has that come up and you know he's like honestly like no like it's it's not like when I think about it if I think about it, like if I drive past a gas station I think about it like I think about how disgusting and how glad I'm at, like how disgusting the usage is and how glad I am that I don't do that anymore like there's no desire there and so like so yeah, we've, we've gone through like hard things and like, and we've addressed like childhood things and why, because of things that he's experienced, he does things now. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, like, like we've, we've talked through those intimately. Okay. I want to, I want to ask you a couple things that, that might push you a little bit here, Brooke. Okay. So fair warning. Um, <laughs> so is is his porn addiction um does it have anything to do with you um i think my current insecurities like i feel yes if i like step away from it and objectively look at it um no i like um i think that it's it's based off of like just avoidance of, um, connection, like, you know, avoidance of like, um, I, 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 I see it as it's the one thing that he has connected to in his life. Like he really hasn't had other relationships outside of like ours before us. Like, you know, he hasn't had any like friendships or family like relationships. And so I get, I just, like, it definitely affects, like it makes me very insecure, (laughs) but like, I, like if I were to objectively look at it, like, I think it's just, I think if, if I have a role in it, I think that it's because I am guarded with, I want safety and I'm not willing to just trust good enough. Like, like, because I have, like, you know, we have gone into hard things. Um, maybe, like, maybe, so like, subconsciously, maybe he feels like I'm, like, he can't fully invest in me because, like, um, he's worried that, like, our, our commitment, um, if he does, like, it'll, it'll end. Like, you know, it's like, I, I, that's like, if, if I have a role in it, I feel like it's that, that he is afraid to like not have pornography and like put all of that relationship into me and like get hurt and have it be another relationship that he tried for, um, that like rejected him. I loved your answer there because you, you basically said, 
I know, I know it's not the case that, that this, I, I realize that this is not about me, but I don't feel that way. <laughs> and, right. Yeah. And, 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 and then you went on and, and this is, I think this is the interesting part. You went on to say what I really, and I'm interpreting this my way, but what I really want is trust and safety. Um, and, and the question is, is, you know, how do you go about getting trust and safety? And you look at this situation and it's really interesting because from six years old to 11 years old, like he's been doing this thing, right? Mm -hmm. And it, it reminds me of like eating sugar, like sugar was crammed down my throat, like every day, you know, for, and then, and then if I were to get married and my wife didn't want, and I know this is apples and oranges, but my mm -hmm. wife didn't want me to eat sugar. And if she took it deeply personal and like freaked out if I ate sugar, but I'm still like, you know, getting the Slurpees every day or whatever it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, I, I am in no way condoning his use of pornography. I'm not, I'm not saying it's okay, but trust is built on honesty and transparency. And the other side of trust is also safety and empathy. Um, right. And so, but, but this is, but porn's a hard one because in a relationship that fidelity is important, that sexual fidelity is important. So Brooke, on one hand, you want to be very safe for him to be able to talk openly with you about his, about his struggles, about what happens. Right. Yeah. And on the other hand, you want to be honest and boundaried for you about what you need in the, in the relationship. Right. So yeah. how do you balance those things? at the same time. And if your trauma comes into play, it will, it'll make it so that, that you're not a very safe person for him to talk that openly with. Am I, am I making sense? Yeah, I think that's exactly correct. Yeah. And there's another hand too, Brandon, that is, you know, and I can imagine Brooke, you're probably experiencing some of these things right now that even though you know, rationally that for the greater good, you want to figure out how to be a safe place and the listening ear and allow room for the process. There's another part of you that's feeling angry and cheated. And like the last thing you want to do is be nice to him right now. And <laughs> like you want justice to be served. And, and if that's the case, that's okay too. Like that's, that's the weird, weird navigation of all of this is being authentic with those feelings and saying like, I don't really want to be the landing spot for him today. Like I actually kind of like hate his guts today. Um, but I also want to save my marriage and is there hope? And like, what's, there's a couple of things that are sort of missing in this that could help buffer that. Um, and, and that's making sure that you have, that you're doing what obviously you're on the show here. So you're, you've dove in somewhere and you're doing some work and you're listening to things and, I, I don't know if you've got a team yet or not built, but having a, a team of, you know, ladies who are in a similar situation could be really beneficial just so that on those days you hate him, you could go and flush that out there, get yourself grounded and then allow yourself to come back with whatever level of energy you have left in your marriage that can be productive. Um, but, but Tyler, I do want to say to that and I, I want to say that you want a team, Brooke that supports you to create love. And so what I mean by that is that he, he, he needs to learn how to have compassion for your fear and for your pain, right? When you say, I feel hopeless, I feel angry, I feel stuck, I feel cheated. If he came back to, to you with, 
you're, you're never going to forgive me. What's wrong with you? How come, you know, then you're just disconnecting, right? But if he came back to you with, I want to understand that pain, um, then you have a chance for some connection there. And the reverse is true as well. If you're feeling frustrated, angry, and you go to a group of angry women who say, yeah, he's the worst ever. And, you, you know, and, and it builds that resentment up. It's going to, it's going to teach you how to put up stone walls, like just big, thick walls, and you'll be justified and validated in doing so. Right. But if you can go like Tyler saying, if you can go empty some of that and say, Oh, this is what I'm feeling. And I know I have my boundaries and I have my safe safety nets and things that I can do, but I want to see his pain and understand his pain. It doesn't mean I have to have sex with him today or connect with him in any way. Um, but I can at least see him as a human and understand why he's doing what he's doing. That gives you guys a chance to navigate this together. Is that yeah. Tyler? What do you, do you understand what I'm saying, Tyler? Yeah, no, I think if we're looking at it from a bigger, broader perspective, principally what I'm hearing you say, Brandon, and I think this is the balancing act is, you know, this early recovery work is so difficult with this principle, but it's a constant battle to be seeing both myself as a human being and my partner as a human being. And we have equal value. We have struggles we have to figure out. We're both human. And in order to do that, if I see myself as a human, then I can treat myself with compassion and I can set boundaries and I can make sure I stick to my truth and I can speak what's what's on my mind. If I see, if I continually try to bring back around to seeing him as a human, I can still keep my boundaries, but start to release that feeling that, you know, Brooke, you're saying, I still, I know it's not true that he's acting out because of me, but it feels like it's because of me. When I get grounded again, and I can see his humanity. All of a sudden I can separate my responsibility for his choices. And, and so the battle is constantly this dance of I'm human and he's human. We're both human. And if one or the other falls out of balance, that's where the trauma cycle kicks off, or that's where that anger and resentment kicks back in, or, you know, all that other stuff. And that's where having a good landing spot to help with both. You're human, take care of yourself, set your boundaries, live your live according to your values. And yeah, that sucks. He did those things and that hurts and it's okay to be mad, but he's human too. Um, both but, of those but, places are but, important. But to see that, and I want to ask you this, Brooke, um, but to see his humanness and have compassion for him, it means that you need to have hope and have safety and have groundedness outside of the relationship with him. If too much is falling on that relationship for you to feel those things, then um, you're going to have a really hard time with extending that compassion over to him. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I think that's definitely a a difficult area for both of us. Um, Like as you guys are talking and thinking about like, yeah, like, having other people to share with, I think, I think that, um, yeah, like, like, um, it makes sense. Like there are no safe people to share with, um, in our current life, like, like in, in that fear of like, you know, like, and like, and that, I guess I, I own that. I can't share with anyone because I do see him as a person. I do know that he's more than, this problem. And I know that our marriage, like we are more like, I know that 
like I like to believe I, I feel like I know that like you know the 10 years wasn't just this like there were things built and there were connections made but like there's definitely a fear of like if I don't control it if I don't deal with it myself um like if I were to share it with somebody like I don't I don't want that I don't want it to become my identity mm-hmm. like I don't want it to become like that like he's a disgusting person mm-hmm. and a terrible husband because yeah I guess sometimes he is like he has been clearly but like that's not his identity and I don't want it to be like I don't want pornography addiction to be who we are and I definitely fear um that like if anyone like, I can't think of a single person like that I know like if anyone were to like know that like it would it would instantly be like oh you're a victim of abuse and like you're just a shell of a existence and you know everything negative about this scenario and he's a monster and disgusting and filthy and like no one should trust him yeah and like and so I think that's a hard um hard to think like what to do with i guess like, brooke, brooke you're really wise and yeah. for you to be wary of that is is really good like that's your intuition coming up and saying like i don't want to fall into the uh, tyler and i have seen this where couples spend decades of their life together and it it's all about you know like working this recovery and uh, their whole life is about his porn addiction right and and that's not happiness either. They're still resonating in like fear and resentment and control. And and ultimately, what I think that you want is to just have peace and have love together and create intimacy in your relationship. And and so, but there is a reality here. The reality is, is there is a pornography addiction. And so for you guys to say, okay, that's a piece of our marriage and that's a piece of him. That's, that's a part of it, right? We can't be in denial about that, but that's not everything. And that's, that doesn't have to consume your world completely. Um, but you have to face the reality that it's there. Right. And that's why you're here today. Um, it is there, but with it being there, how can we move forward to create this piece? Um, both on an individual level, you are not condemned to a life of of hell and suffering in in your in your relationship, Brooke. And here here's here's a here's a really beautiful, awesome thing. You, independent of him, you have the ability to choose whether or not you're going to spend your life like that or not. And he might fight for you and stay married to you and create a life of beauty and recovery and all this stuff with you, or he might not. But you're not stuck. You can move forward and find peace and find healing no matter what. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. How does that make you feel? Yeah, what's coming up emotionally for you, Brooke? I think that with um, just understanding like everything, um, the reality that we're in and like looking at the the me portion of it, looking at 
what I've experienced. Um, I think it has been like, like my entire life long before him, I've, I've tried to, like, I've just, I've worked so hard to like, if I can change in this way, I've worked so hard to get to that safety and peace from others and like acceptance and be seen. Um, I, and like, so like, it's just hard to see how much that's been real in, in this relationship in the last 10 years, how much I've like, I've, I really enjoyed the person I've become. I really do like myself. I've, I've changed a lot of things for the better and like, I like it, but it's also just so bitter that like, just to realize like it wasn't us holding hands and working together to become more. It was like a lot of it was me just striving. If I, if I do this, then, then I'll like, you know, like it's, it was me just controlling the narrative of we're happy, we're connected, we're together. Like we have the life that I want. Um, and I was, I was trying to control things that I can't. Yeah. I think as you're, as you're talking, I can hear like belonging and grief in your voice and some pain there. And I also, I also just want to acknowledge that you just speaking it today and owning that things aren't as you thought they were, and that maybe there were things you were trying to do to control that you, that are beyond your control. You're right at the, you're, you're, you're right at the, the ability to let go of some of that stuff. And that could come, that could lead to a lot more freedom. Um, I'd, I'd like to maybe come back to what Brandon said, because I think he's right. And, and you're right about your intuition the trick isn't any of the modalities you're going to choose to to do to try to get better is not the answer. It's the principle with which you do them. So if you go and find a group of people that define you and peg hole you and you allow yourself to be defined and judged as the recovery people or as the betrayed wife or the abused woman or he's the addict, then that's not going to work really well. But if you go for principle, the truth is, is that regardless of where you get it, you're going to do better when you have the right people in your life that can say, I see you and it's okay that you're working and it's okay that it's messy and there's space for you to do that work. Whether that's family members or friends or a church leader or a group or a 12-step meeting or something like that, it doesn't matter where you get it from, but you're going to need that stuff. Um but you want to you want to get that stuff in a way that's in line with your values of the person you want to be, and so you're probably going to have to do some trial and error with some of that stuff, and that's where it'll get a little bit messy. But it's worth doing because you need that. You know, it'll help fracture those beliefs that you've been carrying. Even yourself, it sounds like some of your own your own childhood stuff is even tied into this because you spent so long like finally finding a safe place and finally finding the person who's supposed to see you the most. And now 10 years into this, you're going, he's never actually really seen me because, and that's going to have a tendency to want to hit your stuff. When in reality, this is a him issue. He's not seeing anybody because all he sees is his own self-protection, but it's going to have a tendency to want to hit your stuff. 
and you're going, Oh my gosh, like I've done nothing but try to be seen by him. And now I'm still not seen. And that's where your individual work is going to continue to, to come in the work you've already been doing. Yeah. Yeah. No, Brooke, I, to be honest with you, you feel a little bit isolated in terms of like you, you want support and help, but you're also kind of careful of, of like not wanting to fall into some of these traps. And I, I can give you some, some phone numbers of some women who are in solid recovery, who do not hate their husbands and they're not resonating in, in that anymore. They, they did. There was resentment and all those feelings of hurt and all those things. But I can, I can give you some support of some, some women that can really help you in your situation who have been right where you're at, um, they're, but they're, they're beyond that now. And their lives aren't just about their husband's porn addiction. Some of these women are divorced. Some of these women are married. Um, it makes me kind of sick. I, I, over a decade ago, I threw a conference called the WOPAs conference and it was, do you know what WOPA stands for? You better tell her. She's not going to know. <sighs> most of our list, most of our listeners aren't going to know that term. This is, I hate to talk about this It's cringeworthy. Um, wife of porn addicts conference. Um, and we had like, it, it, we, it was Chuck full. Right. <laughs> Unfortunately, it was, all, it was all these women identifying as that's what I am, a wife of a porn addict. Like, that's what I am. I'm a, and, and they are married to a somebody struggling. They are a wife of a porn addict, but that's not their identity. Yeah. And the content of the, the conference was very much hating on, on their husbands. Right. And yeah. I, I, I hear that that's not what you want to do, but it is not fair that you're in the situation that you're in. It's not fair that he's hiding things from you and lying to you and doing the things that a porn addict would do. It's not fair. That's not okay. Um, but it's also not okay, Brooke, for you to stay right where you're at and just trying to survive through this, right? Yeah. If you do what you've always done, you're going to get what you've always gotten. And I would say reach out to some of these healthy women who have worked through this. Um, do some of your trauma work, like, and I would say with a therapist, like work through um, some of your deepest trauma and those wounds so that you can respond differently to your husband. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and be very, and so that you can be very clear with him about what are your values and what works for you and what doesn't. Um, like you did with the nicotine, right? You did that. That was beautiful. That was awesome. Yeah. Boundaries work. Um, yeah just to empower yourself and support yourself so that, you know, like I'm not dependent upon him getting into recovery for my, my growth and my happiness. Um, that's going to continue to happen and I'm going to create love in my life. That's going to happen for me. Um, and, and I know you have four kids together and you're in the thick of it, but I mean, I imagine your kids are pretty young. So like, yeah. you're just getting swamped right now and stuff. And it's like, oh my gosh, I'm just trapped here. You're not. Okay. And, um, but you, but, but I would say, and Tyler's brought this up a couple of times, like build some recovery capital and change some of the systems to navigate through this and, and you'll support him to get into recovery or, or, or he won't. Right. Yeah. So. Does that make sense, Brooke? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that gives a lot of peace of of a path. Cause I think I think that is like I'm I'm seeing clearly like what what 
keeps me stuck is like, I just don't trust anyone. And I haven't. And now like the one person I thought I did, I don't. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, I I get a lot, uh, I get really overwhelmed. Like with you saying like, that like, like there's people like the women that like would actually be helpful. Mm -hmm. Like, um, cause I, I trust very easily hopeful that like, if I position, right, if I control it, then like, I can, I can like receive help, but ish. you have to surrender some, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Scary. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, and the truth is, is that when you start to do it, the reason, like Brandon said, the reason you're scared is because there is some risk. And so you might hit a couple of spots and you go, oh, that was the wrong place to to trust or to surrender. That doesn't mean you did something wrong. It means you didn't find the right place yet. And, you know, if, when, we, when we're done here, you know, if we can get you connected to some resources that way, whether it's numbers that Brandon mentioned or or looking at some other options for joining a group or something where you wouldn't have to see them at the family reunion, but you could still get that kind of support um, would be really, would be really good for you. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Um, I, we're just about out of time here, Brooke, any, any last feelings or thoughts? I don't even know if we even touched on the right question for you today yet. Um, I think you did. I think the, that was the original question and like, really gave a lot of clarity um the one other thing that is different i don't know if there's enough time but i think that's really difficult right now is just like will like i guess is there a future that like my self-image like my body image isn't shattered to like my perspective of him like i i know and i hold like like, it's like, if, if we were to divorce, like, I know that I can recreate who I am and like feel confident in myself, but now it's like, anytime I feel comfortable or aesthetically, um, well, like, like, but it's not enough for him. Like I, mm-hmm. I shoot myself down. And so I worry like that I won't ever be able to be seen like physically um in a light of good to him yeah uh, i your your concern is 100 percent normal and valid and i i don't i think the vast majority of women that we work with will struggle with some of the same question and without being able to do a whole other episode which we yeah. could on this you know i would just say absolutely there is hope and and it'll come it that hope will come as you work one day at a time towards your best life towards the invitation of recovery and if he decides to do the work of his own recovery that will rebuild trust over time and that trust will allow for the ability to be more and more vulnerable to be more and more open and and you can absolutely there can absolutely be healing from that there there's a this is classic betrayal trauma, what you're talking about. There's a both a reality fragmentation of like what's been real in our relationship and but there's also gender wounds that happen of am I woman enough? What's wrong with me? And and when I asked you earlier about taking his porn addiction personally, uh 
um, this is kind of what I'm talking about. And it's easy for me to say like, Brooke, you know, it's not about you, right? It's not about you, but it doesn't feel that way. And so to do this work to heal yourself when it comes to these gender wounds and this trauma about your, uh, about your body image um, needs to be done um, independent of him. And so what, what I mean is like, you're not turning to him and saying, please want me, please answer my question that I'm enough. Please tell me that I'm desired and that I'm okay. And it's, it's you going to heal those wounds of trauma and realizing that I am desired. I am okay. And I'm not going to be reliant upon somebody who's lusting after other women every day to get that question answered. Um, I need to get that question answered within myself, independent of him or else you're kind of, you know, barking up the wrong tree, so to speak. Now, if he does his recovery work and in a healthy relationship with good, I call it polarity with the masculine and feminine, then he absolutely will be part of answering that question that you're desirable and that you're beautiful. And you'll feel that in that relationship. And, um, and it's okay for you to have the boundary of, I need to at least know that we're working toward that. Um, in our relationship. So we have that type of polarity and intimacy. Um, and I'm not going to settle for like knowing that I'll never get that from you. Right. Yes. So, and that will take time. It, it does take time, but there is hope. Yeah. Thank so. you. That makes sense. Brooke, thank you so much for coming on. I know it was, uh, you know, it's a fast conversation to talk about a lot of things and, but you came on vulnerable and willing to share and willing to open up. And I just appreciate that vulnerability. And I know it'll bless somebody's life out there who's listened, listened to your story today. Your courage to come on today will definitely impact the lives of other people who are listening, who are in a very similar situation. You are not alone. And to those of you guys listening, you know, how, how lucky are we that we have someone like Brooke who's willing to come on and share herself and her heart this way. And I hope that you guys will we'll sense that and feel that sense of gratitude for the benefit she brought to your life today. So thank you guys. You guys have a great day. All right. See ya. Thank you.